I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a podcast on everything from employment to aircraft carriers. We are a bunch of policy nerds based in Number Bengaluru, and we like bringing fresh perspectives to Indian affairs and Indian perspectives to global affairs. I'm Yazad, an economist, and I'm Shambhavi, a cell biologist. Hi, and welcome to All Things Policy. Today we are going to be talking about BIMSTEC. BIMSTEC is back in the news because Prime Minister Narendra Modi is going to have his swearing-in ceremony tomorrow, and he has invited leaders of all the BIMSTEC countries for the ceremony. So, what is BIMSTEC? Talking to me about this today, we have General Prakash Menon and Suyash. So, Suyash, what is BIMSTEC? BIMSTEC is. I'll go in bit into history. BIMSTEC was formed as a summit of. few countries on the east very east to india and so if you conceive sark bimstick is sark minus pakistan plus two countries of asean it was a informal summit till 2016 and it became an organization because organization needs a secretariat in 2016 and since then it has become a organization for india's outreach policy towards its regionalism minus pakistan there are a lot of other things for instance it is a bridge between india and asean it is a connecting uh, space for economic potential enriching economic potential strategic potential and so on so the leaders of the bimstick countries are visiting uh, swearing in ceremony of prime minister modi tomorrow and which is which is as same as what happened but it was sark last time so general uh, menon would you like to add on to this yeah, actually the bimstick's got a it's a name which is quite mouthful which stands for Bay of Bengal Initiative for Multi-Sectoral Technical and Economic Cooperation. So it's better that we stick to just BIMSTEC. It's got a very interesting history, in the sense that it was initially founded in 1997 uh, with India, Bangladesh, and I think the other country. was uh, thailand june 97 then uh, in december that year myanmar actually came into the focus thereafter uh, in 2004 nepal and bhutan came into being so ever since it's now comprises of seven nations and essentially it is about the bay of bengal's integration of the bay of bengal nations which abut the bay of bengal and all of them do bay of bengal as you know is the largest bay in the in the world it is also very it's uh, all these states which uh, in the rim of the bay of bengal has about 20% of the world's population okay um, Uh, if you look at india itself 25% of india's populations is in the state of tamil nadu orissa uh, andhra pradesh and west bengal which about the bay of bengal apart from that bay of bengal is you know because of the ganges and the uh, brahmaputra the nutrients which flow from there it's it's got a very rich fish stock it's got a lot of untapped minerals it's got gas uh so there is a lot of economic potential which is untapped and 
not only from terms of economics, this also will also act for India as a bridge towards the east and sort of uh, it will help in its and promoting its act east policy as they call it now. So there is every reason for to integrate this area and that is what the whole initiative is about. But there's one more factor which we have to take into consideration, which is the growing importance of the Bay of Bengal because through it passes one-fourth of the world's traded goods mm -hmm. from the Pacific to the Indian Ocean. So there is also a strategic aspect to the importance of Bay of Bengal, especially if you look at it from the point of view of China and India. And, and the fact that China also has made a lot of inroads into the nations of the Bay of Bengal, there is a certain amount of reaction to that, which India would actually try and see as to how they can neutralize it. So the geographic importance, the economic importance, the political importance, and the strategic importance makes this area area of focus. But why is it that BIMSTEC, which has started in 1997, we have not heard much about no, it? Yeah. And that's the that's a, that's a, 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 a the fact remains that it was only after the government of India realized that SARC is probably uh, not be able to fulfill its mandate of integrating the subcontinent that you need at least some sort of uh, a way to break out of it. And if you can't actually go west because Pakistan's, India and Pakistan's issues, then we at least need to move east. And that is why the importance of Bay of Bengal. And it was triggered in 2016 when the Prime Minister Modi had a summit in Goa, which was an outreach from a BRICS summit and where he emphasized the importance of uh, BIMSTEC and so on. It was resurrected because it was nowhere till then. BIMSTEC was in existence, but they had about 14 working groups on a whole host of, of subjects. It was more of a talking shop. They didn't have the resources, neither did they have any specific or focused mandate and which by which they could actually turn it into a product. Even if they tried, none of these working groups actually in terms of even a free trade area or movement of goods, which uh, the barriers to it to be brought down, or infrastructure. In fact, one of the fundamentals of this whole integration process is building infrastructure, mm -hmm. both across the land and across the seas. So that also requires money, but nothing had happened. So while... For 20 years, it's nearly been in limbo. It has now gained momentum. And I think that momentum is related to the fact that India has realized that SARC probably will not go anywhere, that we need to actually exploit what we can. And there is a lot of enthusiasm from the countries who are participating countries. Therefore, it seems to me that what we are now witnessing is India's greater involvement and commitment to BIMSTEC 
and what it signifies, especially the fact that they have been invited for this swearing-in ceremony of the new government, is that India is signaling that we are going to invest more. So our role as an informal leader, I think, should increase. And I think that's what it's finally about. But General Menon, do you, don't you think that it is a lack of uh, imagination from, on India's point of view? Because SARC started in 1984-1985. BIMSTEC started in 1995, but it went on, it really went on in 2014. India has always, whenever there is a problem with Pakistan, India turns towards BIMSTEC. Why is, is India's policy towards this regional initiative reactionary more than actionary in nature? Yeah, it's true. We could have actually uh, done both mm -hmm. together. We didn't have to wait for one to die mm -hmm. to resurrect the other. That's what you, what, you, what you mean. I think fundamentally it's about, at the base level, it's about a question of the type of resources that you can actually invest in a particular type of grouping. We invested in SARC with a lot of energy in terms of financial resources. But because of the impasse which has now been built up, there is a policy shift and this is the policy shift. We are now saying that at least for the moment SARC is in limbo, let's at least do what we can. And even now, the question is that how we judge it would be how much of resources, India being the biggest power in this, how much of resources are we willing to actually put into this initiative? We can have the swearing in tomorrow. They can all go back. We can have some good speeches and good articles. But if on the ground, we don't actually build the infrastructure. Fundamentally, it's about first building connectivity, both across the oceans and overland. And I think our record on these two issues uh, has not been very good. So let's hope that the new government especially since it's a signal which they are sending quite prominently, will be able to actually get over the problem which we have been fundamental to anything which India has done outside, especially in terms of interest. We, have, we have promised, but we don't deliver. So I hope that that doesn't happen this time. Uh, sir, you said on infrastructure, there are two major projects that come out of uh, BIMSTEC. One is KKMT, that is Kalindan project, which is joining seas and rivers and land. And the other is ASEAN trilateral, the India's trilateral highway, which would be later joining into ASEAN. So would you like to emphasize on how it would help the hidden potential of Northeast with regard to India? See, as far as India is concerned, mm -hmm. uh, Northeast in fact, one of the reasons why India is investing in this one one of the legs is the is to give Northeast access to the ocean, to the Bay of Bengal, and that can only be because Northeast otherwise where do they have access? So one of the benefits which India sees is about giving that access to to the Northeast. Definitely, that's one of the one. It's not only about the uh, countries which are on the rim of the Bay of Bengal. It's about fundamentally also about Northeast. So. Northeast can be connected both to the ocean, it can also be connected uh, to Southeast Asia. It's not that there's no projects which is already underway. The question is the pace of those projects, the speed with which they have been built. Uh, if you see, none of them have made any significant process. We are still actually 
talking about it. We still have issues of uh, various issues which we can actually, uh, we can always have find a reason for it. But the fact is, our Northeast connectivity to Southeast Asia is still a long way to go. And it is fundamentally about the pace of that development. So that's why I'm saying, first we'll have to connect. And while we do, while you're making this connection, we'll have to have the agreements so that there's free flow of goods and services uh, and transport over this connectivity. That cannot happen after the connectivity is built. So that's why these working groups. What is what one one good thing which has happened is that last year, uh, Thailand actually had said that let's narrow down the mandate of the BIMSTEC, you know, and fundamentally concentrate on trade and investment. Of course, security has also been been built into it. Maybe that will probably give it more focus. Um, and also, uh, till, let's say, 2016, uh, the uh, when uh, the was established in Dhaka, it just had 10, actually, uh, people in that secretariat, total about that, which is completely inadequate. And now I think fundamentally it's about funding. Funding has increased. What increases, it has to increase more. So first, one of the things along with the infrastructure when we talk about is also about strengthening the secretariat itself with the right type of people, right quantity of people who can actually monitor and, and sort of uh, have an oversight on various activities. So that has been one of the things it has been recognized. In fact, the last time that they met, this was one of, in fact, it was an area in which a lot of, uh, what do you call, identified as, a, as an issue and m many decisions were taken. But I must say, it is not about decisions being taken, but it's also about implementing those decisions. That has always been the weakness of BIMSTEC. And if India certainly plays a larger role uh, with enthusiasm for the other countries, because this is win-win for all. Uh, sir, interestingly, you mentioned Thailand and India. So I remember in 1997 when BIMSTEC was formed, it was it was extension of India's look east policy and uh, Thailand's look west policy, which was a overlapping factor. Also, sir, there are many regional organizations which are overlapping in this region. There is SARC, there is BIMSTEC, there is Mekong, there is Greater Mekong, ASEAN. So, how do you find a convergence and uh, how, how BIMSTEC stands out in this? Because Mekong is also an important, it says CMLV. So, how do we find a convergence in this? Because all the actors in BIMSTEC are across all these regions. That's true. Actually, over a period of time, the plethora of organizations, some of them are actually... Uh, has ceased to exist and you know in the sense that they are no longer uh, let's take the organization which is China Myanmar uh, Greater Mekong uh, okay yeah. see uh, at the moment India is not uh, because of the Belt and Road issue India is not for so I would think that regional cooperation still faces its own challenges that the subcontinent was integrated much better much more 50 years ago than what it is now because the political boundaries which came up after uh, the Britishers left have hardened. The question is, is how do you actually melt those boundaries, make it free for trade? Because 
it is not that this area was not integrated before can you imagine that we despite all the technology and everything which we have that this this thing is less integrated now than it was 50 years ago to change it there is political will that there is no doubt there is recognition of the need to change but as usual the challenge is in finally how does a regional group like this because everybody is not at the same they are in different stages of their development the type of resources that they can devote to it are different india therefore has a major role to play if india is go- is willing to play that role it can make a lot of difference the question we need to see from now onwards is the signaling which is coming out of this it signifies india is going to play a major role will it walk the talk also sir there are two important things one the increasing china's footprint in south asia so recently i was just thinking out of the box and curious to know from you that masood azhar has been blacklisted and china has removed his technical hold will he so it was a symbolic action will similar sort of symbolic action be replicated from india's point of view of giving a status in sarc or bimstick bimstick china is very much interested in bimstick uh, to china and what if it is given what implications would it have would it be given at first point considering the fact that chinese would like to be there which means actually it would finally mean that the china will have a greater say it would from an indian point of view it will merely comp- complicate the situation and india would therefore like to restrict it within the seven members itself uh, china in fact uh, what india is actually doing is also trying to see if bimstick can also be the forum which connects to other regional forums like asean for that matter or how does bimstick actually play a role in the indo japanese movement you know for what they are actually trying to do so uh, i do not think it will find favor with india that china be brought into even in any sort of status Uh, within bimstek itself bimstek is hardly risen it is still trying to rise to grow now to bring the giant inside now would actually uh, increase the political troubles which will then afflict bimstek i don't think india would want to do that actually uh, when you asked the question about uh, whether this is reactionary to uh, pakistan's uh, actions i was wondering whether this is reactionary to china's action whether india's increasing attention to bimstek is to consolidate the region to ensure that it also has a say also interestingly Mac- greater mekong ha- happened first then mekong happened and then bimstek happened mm-hmm. so this is the chronology 1991 1994 and then 1997 is when bimstek came see the point is actually none of these factors you can say it does not affect all mm-hmm. this will play a role but it's got the central uh uh what do you call uh driver of bimstek is not china the central driver is about integrating what is actually a unified geography so while you're trying to do this then the chinese because they're also trying to do something else come into play but that's not the central rationale so i think we need to look at it like that also sir asean you said bimstek as a connecting bridge between india and asean and where it plays a very important role in india's 
uh, act look is which is now act this policy can you put a light on that because two of the countries there are overlapping countries of south asia and two of the asean countries in uh, bimstead so you know i i think what we should actually uh keep in mind is also the fact that the combined gdp uh of this of these states is in about 2.7 trillion dollars which and all these states have actually in recent past have the have very high rates of growth so that makes us also uh, an area which needs economic integration with its uh, neighbors on both the sides so the economic argument is very strong here and 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 all the countries see this that if they can do if they can integrate economically it will be a great benefit to them so the driver the main driver for this is actually economics but this economics actually can be only brought to fruition if you can use the geography to make the linkages <laughs> basically that, that that's what it is so i think it's it can have a lot of uh, let's say traction now that india has at least made it known that we are going to give it special attention for whatever we might say we have not done so till now and we have not done enough and there is a lot to do so general minister if there are three things if the government of india comes to you tomorrow and say there are three things that we need to do for uh, strengthening bimstick what would be those well the first is actually uh devote maximum resources to it both in terms of people and money two is act as the unofficial leader become become the driving force of this organization and i think the third one is do not think about this only in terms of india think of this of how this bay of bengal grouping can connect to other regions like asean or east asia and so on because this region is is actually quite right may not be in the center but very close to the heart of economic activity in the world so there is a lot of potential there the challenge for india would always be how does it actually also deal with the other non traditional threats which are common to all all the countries here in terms of illicit movement of people narcotics weapons terrorism illegal exploitation illegal migration all these are common to this so whether india can actually uh, not get stopped by these issues uh, they so they left to sort of so this might be the fourth one i give you three but maybe mm. unless you deal with this problem also you'll not be able to do it Fish? yeah two points about general general menon said this last point about uh, unconventional threats the problem of this region is whenever something happens there is always pointing the finger towards each other there is lack of mutual trust among countries which is slowly building up they are trusting each other but it will take some time and uh, the second point which you mentioned about the uh, india playing a major role i would just like to add this is my opinion personal opinion that uh, india had economic role would be fine but india had to pay a cost due to a big brother attitude towards its uh, neighborly country so 
how would you distinguish that see actually big brother attitude to neighboring country is what all small countries say of us mm-hmm. but i don't think we say it about ourselves and uh, i think it comes with the size that whatever you do will be treated as the big brother attitude so india must be very sensitive to this issue because it is part of the structural nature of this relationship and that's actually for our diplomats and our political leaders to resolve thank you very much ramana and suyash do keep listening to all things policy we would love to hear what you think about this chat check us out at our twitter handle at takshashila inst on our quora space all things policy for the latest analysis and research on technology strategy and economic affairs visit our website at takshashila.org.in and tune in for our next episode